Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. Our Bible reading today is from John 14, verses 15 to 24. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. Just pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word is powerful, and it speaks deep into our hearts And we pray, Lord, as the word is unpacked for us, that you'd give us ears to hear and hearts to understand and that we would put these words into practice. We thank you for your promised Holy Spirit and we thank you that he's with us this morning and brings all glory to Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much, Heather. Well read. Uh, she was good looking, wasn't she? Um, <laughs> only time a preacher can say that about his wife in case you're visiting. Uh, thinking, good grief, what sort of church is this? Um, we are in a series, if you are uh, new or maybe been away a few weeks, and uh, the series is Behold and Become. And we're looking at uh, that basically coming out of one of the most wonderful texts that I want you to be aware of as we look at uh, John 14 this morning. And the text of Behold and Become that we started with is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where it says, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is is eternal and so we are wanting to focus and reminding us as believers that our focus today is not on what we see immediately around us or our lives as it could be understood we are fixing our eyes on an unseen world and looking for that unseen world to change us and touch us and move us this morning into acts of obedience and acts of intimacy. In other words, we, we do become what we behold. 
Uh, and the, the next slide, I think, uh, just as a bit of humor, uh, is uh, I know we're a nation that loves dogs, aren't we? We're a nation of dog lovers. Uh, dog, a dog is a man's best friend, we say. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever done a survey with dogs. <laughs> Fill in this questionnaire, how do you think your owner is? You know, with comments for additional comments, you know, leaves me alone all day in my house with just a bowl of water. You know, man is, dog is a man's best friend. Cats would not be man's best friends. And Cats wouldn't fill, fill in a survey saying how wonderful the owner was. They would probably not even know who the owner was. But there are some very funny slides if you want to look at them where you can see that the owner looks very like the dog or the dog looks very like the owner. And I don't know if that's gradual or that's intended, whether you've got a sort of flamboyant hairdo and you want an Afghan hound or whether you're a grumpy what's it and you want a bulldog. I don't know which way round it goes. But I do know that people increasingly become what they look at, focus at, on, spend time looking at. And that's the basic encouragement of this series and what we want to do this morning in looking at uh, John chapter 14. And I've, I've titled this Seeing and Savoring the Holy Spirit because I want us to realize this morning that for us to see the unseen, for us to see what is reality and ultimate reality for eternity is only available as we enable or are empowered by the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit moves upon us to open our eyes to that world. And as we see him work, we will see and savor the Father and the Son even more. Now, this is a risky message this morning. It's a risky message for all of you. Because at the end of this message, what I want to do, and this is going to, this is, I'm stepping out in faith, is that I want you to pray either for yourself or for the person next to you, men with men, women with women, unless you're family members, and just ask for the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to everything we look at this morning. And this might go very quiet, or you might be very quiet, but I'm praying out of that will then flow prayers and prophecies and scripture readings that people can bring to the front to help us all to have our eyes open and we can behold him and see his majesty and feel his power as he moves upon us. I, um, I love John chapter 14 because it's incredibly honest. The disciples, there's three disciples mentioned in that chapter and it, it is quite humorous but it is very honest. Because Jesus, in John chapter 14, when he starts John chapter 14, he talks about, in my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going there to get Buckingham Palace ready for you. I'm just about to leave you. Don't let your hearts be... I'm just about to go. We're about a week before the crucifixion. I'm just about to go, but don't worry, guys, because what I am building... What I am getting ready for you is breathtaking and 
you know the way. <laughs> and the first disciple goes, we haven't got a clue. <laughs> what do you mean, we, you know, the, what, what's, what's the way? Thomas is very honest, you know, don't, don't just say the way. What, what, what way is it? You know, come on. If we're going to go to Buckingham Palace, please tell me the way. So Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I, I, I'm the way. Trust in me and you, you'll know the way. And uh, you come across probably the second most memorized scripture after John 3.16, which is John 14.6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, it's in that, in that incredible promise of, of Jesus that you get the second disciples. No one comes to the Father, Jesus says, except through me. And Philip goes, the Father. Now, show us the Father. You've always been talking about the Father. Show us the Father, that's going to be enough for us. And, and Jesus says, don't you know me? I said, it's an incredibly Trinitarian passage, which unless the Holy Spirit moves upon us, we are left as confused as the disciples were. And Jesus says, look, in verse 12, and I want you to lay hold of this this morning, because this is where I want us to land. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. What's Jesus been doing? He's been doing miracles. He's been bringing salvation. He's been setting the prisoner free. That's what we're called to do. That's what the church is about. That's our job description, to see people saved, to bring the power of God, to see miracles, to see life, prisoners brought in, out of captivity into freedom, to see sick bodies made whole where the person's been oppressed and, 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 and downcast to see them lifted, where people have been in unforgiveness to brought into forgiveness. This is what Jesus is saying is the disciples' job description. And then he says this, and I tell you, you will do greater things. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, when you look at the life of Jesus... There is nothing greater than raising a person from the dead, which he, is what he did with Lazarus. There's nothing greater than walking on water. When he says greater things, it's not that the church is going to suddenly all take off like a flock of birds and fly around the ceiling. The greater is in terms of where and the frequency and the numbers of things that we are meant to be experiencing. Now the gospel is going to go all over the world, Jesus says, and my people, that's us, not leaders, us together, we're going to see the incredible works of Jesus through our lives as we lay hands on the sick and they get well, as we share the gospel and people get saved, as we talk to the prisoners and bring them into freedom. Amen? Amen? Amen. I agree, no one else is quite with me. So let me... Use your imagination, maybe just push this as far as I possibly can, because I do want to encourage you to engage with this. Imagine, if you use your imagination, I'm taking you down to the, 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 the harbour side, down to Greenwich. And we're coming down to Greenwich, and, and there is a 60-foot, round-the-world, ocean-going yacht. Ellen MacArthur would be proud of it. It's a beauty. It's brand-spanking-new. And everything's ready. The masts are there, the sails are there, the crew's there. Everything's ready for you to take sail and to go round the world. But alongside it is a rowboat. 
a little tiny rowing boat. And you say to God, you say to Jesus, hey, appreciate the offer, but row, row, row the boat. We're going to do it under our own steam. We're going to go on this mission in our own steam. We're going to do it ourselves. That should be something of the stupidity when we try and live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. Or imagine, as we were singing this, I was just trying to think of an illustration. Imagine a prison, and all of us are prisoners. I was in um, uh, a place yesterday in a museum which showed prison ships that used to be in the 18th century on the Thames, where people were put in the hold in in these dark, deep spaces and chained. Now imagine, if you would, someone comes on board, they break the chains, they open the cell doors, they put the lights on, they say, come out, there is food prepared, everything is is prepared for you to be free, and you say, I'd rather stay where I am, to be honest. Got quite comfortable here, to be honest. Got my own company. Maybe one day. That would be the stupidity but also the arrogance to say to almighty god we don't really need to live in the good of what christ has achieved we don't really need to live in the good of these scriptures this morning because we can do it ourselves so this morning i am urging you and encouraging you with all my heart to lean into god to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit, to realize what we're looking at is not for the leader, is not for the few, it is for the people of God, which is the church. So it's behold and become. So let's behold. There's some truths I want us to behold, and then there are some things I believe Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, wants us to become. Three things to behold. In verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. Another counsellor. Jesus has been counselling a grieving disciples. They're thinking this is the worst news that they've ever heard. Jesus, who they've walked with, is, is leaving them. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is good news. I, I, you need to turn this around in your mind. This is, this is better that I go because I am sending you another helper. Another indicates one like myself. Another person like me. A person who will take my place with the same divine attributes who is omnipresent omniscient eternal good holy righteous and he is the counselor he is the paracletos he is the one who's going to come alongside you you've walked alongside me says Jesus but one is going to come inside you who's going to walk alongside you and counsel you through your life. It's not God on the outside. This is God on the inside that Jesus is promising. He is the one, the counselor, who's going to give legal assistance, legal advice, encouragement, everything you need to know 
for your comfort and for your encouragement is found in this person. It's not a second-rate job. It's not, I'm going and got someone else who's coming, he's not quite as good, but you'll be all right. Now, this is one who is just like. In fact, the work of the Holy Spirit is to enable Jesus to reside in our hearts. So he's the counsellor. We've got to understand, when we're looking and saying, Holy Spirit, come, one of the chief things the Holy Spirit will do is counsel us, guide us, come alongside us, encourage us, speak on our behalf, be our defender. But he also, if you follow the next verse, he is called the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth. I think this is really important. Westminster Chapel is a word and spirit, reformed and charismatic, some people might call it, church. There are people who are charismatics who will say, all we need is the Holy Spirit to move. Don't worry about Bible teaching, we want the Holy Spirit. That's like saying to Charles Dickens, ignore all your books, I just want to have a coffee with you and chat about football. The Holy Spirit inspired the Bible to be written. Amen. It's his book. You don't believe that? 2 Peter 1.21 Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's how the Bible is written, through, through the Holy Spirit moving on men. So what is written becomes the inspired, infallible Word of God. So if we want to see Westminster Chapel, the Holy Spirit move amongst us, that's why we make so much of the Bible. And by the way, this is a, it's a little thing of me. It's, it's nothing to do with any elder or anything else. I love Christians carrying the Bible. I know you can get it electronically and on the bus and everything else. It's probably handy. But I love it when in a church you hear the rustling of people turning up the Bible reference. Just check out, making sure we're not getting led into error. I love people carrying Bibles, so just have the Word of God. I, I love. I've got Bibles everywhere, beside my bed, in my study, at home, on my t coffee table. It's wonderful to be referring constantly. But here's the point. The Bible is truth. Amen. We're living in a world where, hey, Anyone can say anything today, upside down, inside out, black is white, up is down, down is... I, I mean, I feel sorry for our modern world, and particularly a younger generation, where there is no truth. We're told there is no truth, no absolute truth. You just make up your own truth. No, Jesus says, this is full of truth. If you look through here, I am truth. Speak to Jesus, and he isn't going to go, hey, boys will be boys. Hey, it's, it doesn't matter what you believe. No, he says, I am truth. You want to line up with Jesus? You line up with truth. You line up with the Bible. The Holy Spirit lines up with truth. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, verse 12. He calls the, him the Holy Spirit, who he's going to send the spirit of truth, verse 17. And now, here's an important point. 
the truth that we hear about in these verses, the truth that we hear about in Scripture is both relational and experiential. You're all looking vague. What do I mean? Verse 26, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. And if you love me, you will obey my teaching. We don't want to be believers that have a head knowledge thinking that faith is about what we know. If we believe it, we live it. So today when we're talking about, actually, how we're going to apply this because we want to be the, the sailboat. We want to be full of the Holy Spirit. We want to walk out of prisons. We want to be... We don't just hear this word. We think, actually, I want to be obedient to this word. Amen. I can remember as a young Christian being taught on tithing and thought, I said to the person afterwards, that was wonderful teaching. He said, do you tithe? I said, oh, no. <laughs> Good grief. 10% of iron? You've got to be kidding. It's like... I could understand the Bible, but I wasn't living in the good of the Bible. If you believe it, you are meant to put it into practice. And in putting it into practice, you're meant to experience it. The Holy Spirit enables us to experience the goodness of the truth of the Word of God. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we fall into legalism. That's the problem in Galatians 3. God, does God give his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Paul is really adamant. It's if we're to believe what we're hearing this morning, it leads us into a seeking after God for more of the Holy Spirit, opening our hearts wide open and saying, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Every disciple is called to participate in the relational life of the Godhead. That's what we're called to do. If you were to break into the Godhead from eternity past, you'd find joy, you'd find laughter, you'd find love, you'd find all the wonderful attributes of God. And you and I are not meant to watch, we're meant to dive in. Because that's who we've been made. We've been made to participate in the life of God. Thirdly, behold the lover. In verse 23 and 24, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. You get this. This is just mind-blowing truth. It's hard to understand the Trinitarian language because you're in me and I'm in you and I'm in the father. And the father's in you and who's in who and who's in where? Where does it all figure out? But this is the truth. Jesus says, I'm going but I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm sending the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to get house ready because I'm going to come and live, me and the Father are going to come and live in your postal address, in your house. That's the promise of this scripture. It's phenomenal, isn't it? John Owen, a Puritan writer, said, imagine walking down a street and seeing two identical houses next to each other. London is easy to do, isn't it? Two identical houses next to each other. He says, in one lives the king. In the other, a scoundrel. Outside, they look identical. But enter into one and you're entering into a palace. Because the king lives there. Everything is royal. Everything is his. Everything is beautiful. 
walk into the other house and it's a den of thieves. And yet outwardly it looks the same, but inwardly it's completely different. So the believer, you and I, as we walk out on the street now, we look just like anybody else walking up and down the street, but inside us is a palace. And out inside there may be just a den of robbers. What makes the difference in the believer's life is the Holy Spirit enabling the Godhead to come and live within us. So if we're to see this, if we're to behold this and spend time looking at this, what do we become? I'm going to finish just with two things that we need to become. And that's what I want us, this is how I want us to pray for each other. Pray firstly that we will be becoming obedient. Verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. You've all heard about the five love languages and there's books written on the five love languages and my birthday's coming out, so just to mention gifts is one of them, Heather. Just so you know, gifts. Uh, touch is another one, Heather, just if you want to put two down. Everyone's got one. Word of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service. The love language of heaven is obedience. Do you get that? The love language of heaven is obedience. Not knowledge. How much do you understand the Bible? I'll tell you what, I've got a PhD. I'm a real clever clog. Irrelevant. You can be saved a week and you can know more than someone with a PhD in theology. The love language of heaven is obedience. So what we do, how we take the word of God and live it, is what pleases God. Believing and obedient. So as you pray for each other, you pray, God, let my brother, let my sister be a person who hears the word of God and in a very short period of time puts it into practice. Amen. He is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. Jesus commands that we love one another. There are two great commands of the New Testament. The command of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. That we're called to go on this mission to the ends of the earth to tell people about Jesus, but we begin by the Great Commandment. Receiving and loving God and loving what God loves, his church, loving one another. And so as we pray for each other, God bless my brother that he might be obedient to loving your church, to loving you, and to loving your mission. Amen. Because I know that pleases the Father. And the second become is become intimate. Verse 20. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. That's quite intimate, isn't it, language? You're in me and I'm in you and it feels intimate. That's how we're meant to live, brothers and sisters. God isn't meant to be over there and don't quite know what God said. We're meant to be living in intimacy. Do you know one of the most wonderful moments of my life is walking down from college as a 16-year-old down a street with my, with my friends and I hear some clogs running behind me. My new girlfriend, Heather, and she puts her hand in my hand. That is intimate. Hands are intimate. Look at your hands today. 
someone who holds them and says, I'll hold your hand for life. That, that may be a person, but it is for all of us, our Father in heaven. Amen. We're putting today our hand in his hand, Amen. and he is a good father. Amen. And we're saying we want to be intimate as a church. That means we don't perform. We come into the Father's presence as children, and we bring him our very best. We ask for greater things. As I said, it would be a wonderful, wonderful way to end this, that once we've prayed for each other and we go back into some wonderful worship and declare the goodness of God, that some of you just come and pray for greater things, greater numbers of people being saved, greater number of children coming to this church, greater, greater power on the preaching, greater anointing of the Holy Spirit, greater, greater gospel witness to the ends of the earth. Praise be, 1 Peter 1, 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. That new birth is to become a child of God where we can pray our Father in heaven. And it's that intimacy that we want to have this morning. The Holy Spirit is here in this place. And he wants to lift us to see what is unseen by human eye, but really, really matters. He wants to open the eyes of every person. Whoever you are, whatever your background, if you're lost, he wants you to see the way. If you're a jeweler, he wants you to see the pearl of great price. If you're a rock climber, he wants you to see the rock of ages. If you're a historian, he is the alpha and he is the omega. If you are a metal detectorist, he is the treasure that is lost in a field. If you're a farmer, he is the good shepherd. If you're a teacher, he is the truth. If you're a builder, he is the cornerstone. If you're religious, he is our great high priest. If you're a gardener, he is the rose of Sharon. If you're sick, he is our great physician. If you're lonely, he is a friend of sinners. If you're tired... He is the life. If you're in darkness, he is the light of the world. If you're a rebel, he is the Lord. And to everybody in the church, he is the King. And he is the Lord of Lords. And he is the King of Kings. And it's him we worship. So I'd love us to just pray, God, let my brother and my sister know you more. Would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? Would you enable us to see there are greater things yet to come? And would you help them to be obedient to everything that you've been speaking to them this morning? Can you do that for me? And if you don't know anybody, you feel a bit alone, just pray it for yourself. Pray it for yourself. There'll be other ministry times to pray. It may be three, but don't get any bigger than three, because otherwise it all becomes too long. But why don't you stand? I'm going to pray for you, and then you're going to try and put this word into practice. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the King. We thank you you've revealed to us the Father who invites children to come into his presence with joy. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you have put us in Christ. You've opened our eyes to see the truth. And now we are in Christ, and the Father is in us, and the Spirit and the, and the Son live in us. Lord, wonderful, intimate language. I pray for intimacy with you for everyone in this place. Anyone who doesn't know you, God, save them today. May they know Almighty God coming to live within them. And Lord, for every one of us, we do say greater things are yet to come. 
There's got to be more than this, Lord, in terms of our own intimacy, but also in terms of the power, the miracles, the deliverance, the setting people free, and the mission. And so I pray for faith as we pray for each other. I pray there'd be a real holy hubbub of intercession, blessing one another in the name of Jesus, that we might know this morning, might know the intimacy of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We might know joy today in our circumstances, and we might know the power of God rescuing us from the control of the evil one. So Lord, these prayers are not empty prayers on empty heads. These prayers matter. So give us faith. Make, build, build this church as we pray for one another, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.